Chapter Six of A Candle for Our Lady by Regina Victoria Hunt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Six. Jem trudged through the snow, hands thrust deep in fleece-lined pockets to keep them from freezing. It was the third week in Epiphany, and a bitter winter had settled down over the Midlands with a hard frost and steel skies. With Shag at his heels, he made what haste he could for Grandmother Reynolds was ill, so ill that her life was in danger. Why didn't we see her sickness sooner? He reproached himself, thinking of the long cold nights the old lady had bent over the melting wax for their precious candle. To be sure, he and Joan had worked too. She had prepared the stranded flax wick. He had procured the wax, two pounds of choice honeycomb, in exchange for extra service to the parish and together they had raked together the necessary utensils, an ancient copper kettle in which to melt the wax, a handmade frame for dipping the wick. Then came the endless dippings and hardenings and more dippings. But it was Grandmother who, after all her other tasks, worked longest and latest, bending over the kettle on the hearth after Jem and Joan had climbed, heavy-lidded, with weariness, to their loft bedroom. Until three days ago, then she had developed such a cough, in addition to her rheumatism, that they had insisted she take to her bed. Joan had tended her with all the remedies they knew, herbs and simples from their own little garden carefully brewed and steeped, but she had grown steadily worse. This morning there had been a family consultation, and the three, Cousin Will, Joan, and himself, decided the village leech must be sent for. If only he can cure her! Jim was wondering what any of them would do without Grandmother. Even you, Shag. He looked at the dog who had loped some paces ahead. Now he had stopped and was sniffing at something lying in the shadow of the hedge, bounding the common. Come, Shag, we must hurry. But the dog was burrowing under the new-fallen snow, uncovering a partly buried object. Jim drew in his breath sharply. It was a man. Slowly pulled back to awareness by the dog's frantic movements, the man stirred and sat up. Must have fallen asleep. His eyes blinked against the icy whiteness. Where am I? Iworth. Jim supposed the stranger to be one of the many baggers or vagabonds that the religious and social changes had loosed upon the country. Where were you going? He helped the man to his feet, noting that he was sturdy and quite young, despite many days' growth of beard in his patched mendicant dress. The other smiled wanly. Any place will do. Anywhere an outcast son of St. Francis may obtain a day's work and a crust of bread. Jem backed off. A friar? Aye, son. Peter's my name. But it's not as you think. I'm no renegade. Our house and community at Bedford was suppressed by the king's orders. Last October twas sold to one of his grace's creatures, and we returned into the world to fare as we may. If you know any. Jem gripped the friar's arm. Come with me. I'll take you to the chantry yonder. Father Ledhall shall feed and warm you. Perhaps, too, we can think of something you can do. I know Cousin Will could use another man on the farm. You are most kind, said the young friar. How can I thank you? Not me, sir. Thank Shag here. He found you. Indeed I do, the fire replied, stroking Shag, who on his part seemed to have taken an immediate fancy to his discovery in the snow. I could not be a true son of St. Francis if I failed to share his love for all God's creatures. 
On reaching the wayside chapel or chantry, Jim hurriedly told Father Lethall Friar Peter's story. Then he pulled on his cap. I must go. It's grandmother. She's worse? asked Father Lethall. Aye, Father, I'm getting the leech. I shall pray for her, said Friar Peter. And I, my son, the priest added, his gaze grave. Out into the white cold, Jem hurried again, shag-looking beside him. In the village, in a street at right angle to the marketplace, Jem found the leech, a little bald-headed man with peering eyes. He hustled to his horse and put Jem on behind to direct him to the farmhouse. When Joan opened the door, the first thing that met their eyes was a taper. It stood, a dazzling wax calm, on the board table away from the fire. Jim gasped in delight. How beautiful! She wanted to see it, Joan said, glancing toward the bedroom. She dabbed at her eyes, red-rimmed in her pale face. I'm so glad we did it, Jim, for her. Though, now, of course, we won't be going to Walsingham. Jim felt a tight twist at his heart. You mean... Father Ledhall came from the bedroom. He motioned the leech inside, then closed the door behind him. I thought I'd better come at once, son. I knew she would want the sacraments. But wait. Jim was going in, but the priest restrained him. She'll see you both when the leech has finished. It wasn't long, though it seemed an age, until the little doctor appeared, shaking his head in answer to the question in their eyes. Guided by the priest, the pair went up to the curtained bed and looked down on their grandmother's wasted face. The brown eyes still had a flicker of their wonted courage and good humor. So, children, she murmured, it seems God wants me to go on a longer journey than Walsingham. Nay, nay, is it a matter for tears? But look you at yon taper. Isn't it a beauty? More beautiful than I hoped, said Jem hoarsely. Thanks to you, Grandmother, Joan added, pressing one of the old, worn hands. Well, I, I'm glad I could see it finished. Now make me a promise. Anything, Grandmother. That you'll make this pilgrimage to Walsingham. Without you? Make it at Easter, and there offer this our taper to Our Lady for my happy repose. You'll do it, children? Of course, Grandmother. They whispered with bent heads, holding back the tears. She folded her hands contentedly over the blanket. Thank you, children. Our taper. Her lips smiled gently. T'will look so beautiful, even among all the lights of Walsingham. End of chapter 6